Our Old Testament reading for this morning comes to us from Deuteronomy in the 18th chapter, beginning at verse 15 and continuing through verse 20. I, this text this morning is um, regarding Moses and the Lord's promise to him and the people whom he's shepherding about uh, the continuance of leadership uh, for the exiles. Uh, So I would invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear according to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, What they have spoken is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I have commanded him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the names of other gods, that prophet shall die. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the gospel according to Mark. Uh, This is the story of Jesus as he's beginning his public ministry, Uh, and he does so, uh, of all places, in a Jewish synagogue. So I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is written. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they they kept on asking one another, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once, his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Both the Old Testament reading and the Gospel reading that are appointed for this day in the Revised Common Lectionary deal with the topic of authoritative speech. We hear of both the need for authoritative words and the danger of inauthentic ones. Though There are more than a dozen chapters between this morning's passage that we heard in Deuteronomy and the eventual appointment 
of Joshua to be the successor to Moses. Even at this point in the text, the people of Israel were receiving from God this much needed assurance that there was a plan. There was a plan for the time when Moses was no longer the chief shepherd of the Hebrews. The refugees from Egypt had received a renewed covenant promise from their God and a part of the manifestation of this relationship was that there would be a covenant promise that continued. They could count on being supplied with someone who would speak to them the true words of the true God so that they could continue to literally, in their case, walk in the truth. And in our New Testament reading this morning, we hear of the response to Jesus' debut as interpreter of the Hebrew Scriptures there in the synagogue at Capernaum. The audience, we are told, was, was astounded. They were unaccustomed to hearing such bold exposition, which is described as carrying with it authority. It was quite unlike that which they were accustomed to from the religious leaders of the day, the scribes. Well, I both appreciate their response, and at the same time, I'm a bit unnerved by the people's response. They sure seem to turn pretty quickly against their former preachers when the guest minister stepped into the pulpit one week. Makes me not want to give up a single Sunday service. But if Jesus himself was going to step in, then who am I to prevent him? No doubt his preaching was authoritative, for he was, after all, the very author of the text that he was interpreting. Who better than to explain it? Well, not only did he preach a good message, but he demonstrated for them a pretty good lesson, too. I have yet to conclude a worship service with an exorcism. For that matter, I have never attended one that ended in that fashion either. But for Jesus, well, this was just another way to confirm the authority that had been vested in him. Control over the spirits of evil, the unclean spirits. That's pretty powerful evidence, if you ask me. And as I was thinking about the implications for this in our day, about the power of speech and the authority of Scripture and its author, my mind went, not surprisingly, in several directions. One of them was as a result of an article that appeared one day this past week in that esteemed British publication, The Guardian. It had to do with atheists and agnostics. The publication had sent a photojournalist to meet with seven folks of differing ages and ethnicities, natives of Africa, Europe, North America, and Asia. As I read the piece, I was left feeling rather sorry for the lot of them, and they probably would feel the same for me, though for quite the opposite reason. But most all of them, and I could say the same about the author, the photojournalist, who wrote this piece, 
expressed their dissatisfaction or even their outright disdain for Christianity and Christians. Now, that's fair. Everyone is entitled to their opinion, and we've all been given the gift of free will. But what got a bit under my skin was that their opinions were informed by faulty data, to put it in secular terms, which they would probably prefer to use. When they disparaged the church, they were reacting against an institution that I have no experience with. Some of that may be their fault for not have taken the time and the effort to experience it on their own, but rather to base their impressions on what they've heard from friends on social networks or on biased media reports or the like. But to be fair, some of it doubtless came from firsthand negative experiences. But again, they were describing a church that I don't recognize. Well, that means that there must exist individuals or perhaps entire congregations or more whose understanding of and living of the gospel is much more akin to that of the scribes against whom Jesus was arguing as he spoke the truth. And if people are being turned off from a relationship with the true God on account of such teaching and living, well, that is what gets under my skin. I was in conversation with an elder of another congregation yesterday. Our topic of that discussion was inclement weather. What were the best practices for making and communicating a decision about whether to hold or to cancel services? That's what was being kicked around. In the midst of these discussions, I noted that for many geographic reasons, it seems that we have rather peculiar, unique weather patterns here. And we agreed that forecasts for this region must be pretty difficult to pull off. For every time, it seems, you consult a different meteorologist, you seemingly get a different expert opinion on what the next system is going to bring to us here. And their track record overall was well, pretty poor. They seem to get things wrong more often than they get them right. But it is easier for me to forgive a weatherman or woman for an unnecessary three loaf of bread alert. And it's much more confounding when it comes to the purveyors of a false gospel. And I think that might also have been what got under Jesus' skin from time to time as over and over we read how he is butting heads with the religious establishment of his day. Those were the folks who had an agenda that transcended the transcendent, one that was based in the preservation of the status quo and not for the benefit of the flock that they were entrusted to care for. I was having another conversation recently with another fellow clergyman from Pocomoke who was sharing a, a joy from his recent ministry. He shared that at the conclusion of a recent worship service that he had led, a young man came to him and professed his desire to become a Christian. He had only been visiting that church for a few weeks, but in that time, 
He had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached authentically and authoritatively for the first time. And the spirit had stirred within this young man, prompting him to make this profound decision. Okay, so why would you care? What difference in the world does it make if your minister is a fan of truth tellers and on the outs with those who preach a false gospel or who live one and thereby push away those who are who have whom we have been called to reach out to well it's because and i've said this many times before and you're probably tired of hearing it but i'm going to say it again it isn't just the minister whose job it is to be a preacher what if all those atheists and agnostics who were featured in the expose in the guardian were turned off not by a word from the pulpit but by words from people in the pews? What if they fell away, not on a Sunday, but on a Monday morning, or a Tuesday afternoon, or a Saturday night? What if they had no interest in Christians, not on account of the antics of some televangelist, but because of the actions and the antics of their friends and their family? You and I, we, together, okay, comprise the body of Christ. You and I, together, are called to be his royal representatives in, with, and to the world. That's why you should care. Mind you, I'm not meaning to sound critical, not in the least. I'm just calling us once again to be mindful of and perhaps a bit cautious of the impact that our words and our deeds can have. They have consequences, after all. Often they are for good, but sometimes they're not so good. And the ripples of these encounters can go well beyond the brief moments in which they occur. I know there's been many a time when I wish that I had not said what I said to someone, either in person or in writing. And I also know there's been many a time when I wish that I had said what I hadn't said to someone, either in person or in writing. Fortunately, we have God's grace to cover over our imperfections, his mercy to forgive us our failures, and the power of his spirit to convict, to reprove, and to correct us over time. But despite our rough edges, we cannot stop taking risks for the sake of the gospel. Better not to tickle the ears of those you are engaged with at the expense of their souls. That brings us right back again to the situation that Jesus faced when he began his public ministry, which was very similar in nature to that which was faced by the leaders of the Israelites on their journey to an entrance into the promised land. They are to be mediators of the word of God. There's a song that's recently been receiving a fair bit of airplay on Christian radio by a group called Casting Crowns. And some of it is rather hard to listen to for just this reason. It indicts church folk, those who are comfortable with a gospel that 
at its heart is very uncomfortable. It's very disruptive. It's very disquieting. In the song, the church is happy with their rock star preacher who won't wake them from their dreams. Well, that certainly wasn't Jesus. And the people there in the synagogue at Capernaum, they were astounded. They were astounded at his teaching, at his authenticity, at his authority. All of us, all of us must continue to speak the truth and to live authentically after the manner that Jesus taught and modeled. We don't know where that might lead, but then again, we don't have to know. We just need to plant some seeds and leave the rest to the one who waters and reaps. Who knows? The world may yet be astounded. And for that we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.